Submarine. Welcome to Knickknack News. I'm Anthony. And I'm Alex. Really quick before we start, uh, Anthony and I actually redid all of our transition music and we are going to use some of it today. So you will get to hear some fun new sounds in between the stories or after we announce the, the uh, category for the story. <laughs> so We've wanted to do it for a really yeah. long time and we finally did and I'm really excited. Me too. So, so without we, further ado. We had a lot of fun with it. And my first story today is animal news. Okay, this is from NPR. And the headline is, Texas Longhorn from Alabama sets Guinness World Record for longest for, horns. Okay, I was going to say, what, what so record I just, is? I just realized the, the headline didn't have the record. It's land speed record for uh, mammals. <laughs> uh, six-year-old Pancho Villa, the Texas Longhorn. That's a great name. Isn't it? Uh, doesn't reside in the Lone Star State, but he has set the Guinness World Record for uh, possessing the longest set of horns on any Texas longhorn bull ever. Wow. Last month, the steer's horns were measured from tip to tip at 10 feet, 7.4 inches. Holy cow. Yeah. That wasn't intentional, but it worked. <laughs> uh, in comparison, Poncho's spread is more than twice the width of a concert grand piano. <laughs> That's insane. I was right? thinking it would be something like six feet, and that would have been crazy, but nope. 10 feet. Over 10 feet. Wow. Actually, fit. really, it's getting close to 11 feet. It's 10 feet and uh, 7.4 inches. It can't fit through That's any right. doors, I bet. Um, yeah. Uh, so the steer unseated the record holder by just over an inch. So the previous record was an inch shorter than that. Um Poncho was raised by the Pope family. Their last name is Pope. Oh, okay. Not... <laughs> The family of the Pope. I, was say, I thought that was kind of a thing the Pope didn't do. Right. Um, the Pope family on a small town farm in Goodwater, Alabama. In 2013, Gerald Pope Sr. reached out to a local veterinarian asking for assistance in finding a pet longhorn. Uh, once connected to a rodeo supplier, Pope Sr. purchased the six-month-old animal who's been their gentle giant ever since. Aww. And he's uh, seven years old now. Wow. Setting the record. Yeah. Or, or, I'm sorry, he will turn seven years old in October of this year. Okay. Uh, the Pope family noticed early on that Poncho's horns were growing really large, so they kept a close eye on the length of the horns for years, waiting for them to expand long enough to break the record. <laughs> they even checked previous steer's measurements to see what they were up against and noticed how much Poncho was growing for his age. So he was, like, growing very long for, like, his young age. Um, apparently, the others were 9 to 12 to 15 years old when they were measured for the world record horns so like the previous record holders were all a lot older than this oh wow so this animal do they um, keep growing and they keep growing yeah oh so uh it says uh similar to their weight gain horn growth occurs quickly during early years then levels off as they grow older but i think it like grows for the whole life of the bull so, so he potentially still has a little while to go mm-hmm wow yeah, because he's only like seven, so I guess they, they probably live to be, I don't know, 15, 16 or something like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, and uh, here are some photos of oh, yeah. the horns. Oh, wow. That looks very inconvenient. That's, yeah, those are very, those are very long. Now, do they measure they, like along the curves or do they just measure from like a straight measurement um, tip to tip? I think they just go straight tip to tip, but okay. that's a good question. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. 
I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I didn't say. Um, but it's interesting because I was looking at this and I was like, that looks that looks very large. And then I went and looked at some photos of just like normal average longhorns. And it was like, okay, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's very large. Like if you look at like a normal, they, it's interesting. They actually like curve up kind of like they don't go out like this. Like yeah. they, they go like this, like, I, okay, you can't, the listeners can't see what I'm saying, but they, they like curve <laughs> up. They don't grow straight out. And for some reason, this one, like the horns grew like straight out the sides almost yeah almost like they're barely curved at all it's very interesting so so yeah world records fun yay right my first story is prehistoric news this is from techtimes.com shaggy hyenas lived hunted in the frigid arctic during the last ice age hyenas oh in up in up in the snow whoa uh, nowadays hyenas are only found in warm dry ecosystems in africa and asia but new research says they weren't always restricted to those regions uh, fossils analyzed by researchers from the university of buffalo indicated that prehistoric hyenas lived in the arctic during the last ice age uh, the study published in the journal open quaternary <laughs> that's fun okay uh, identified two Ice Age fossils unearthed from Canada's Yukon Territory in the 1970s as the extinct Chasmoporthetes, uh, Chasmoporthetes, mm-hmm. uh, also known as running hyenas. I think that's the genus name. Oh. Uh, so prior to this discovery, bones of the genus had been found as far north as Mongolia and the southern United States, um, as far north as Mongolia and as far south as the southern United States, but nowhere in between the two regions. Um, and the findings uh, provide the first evidence of prehistoric hyenas in Beringia, which is a region including Alaska and the Yukon Territory that connects Asia and North America when the sea levels are low. And they suspect this is likely the path that the hyenas took to North America. So hmm. not only did we find out they lived up there, but also that they, how they got over there to begin with. Hmm. And the fossils are estimated to be about 1.4 million to 850,000 years old, but hyenas are believed to have made their way to North America long before this, since fossils have been found in the continent as far back as 5 million years ago. So they've been, they've been here for a while and are no longer here. Hmm. Uh, the genus, I will not pronounce again, are likely to be faster animals than modern hyenas with longer legs that make them a better pursuit predator, and their fur is believed to have been dense with the ability to change color like Arctic hares and foxes. I suspect it turned like white in the winter. Oh. Kind of like a... That's cool. I don't really know how they would know that from bones, but I <laughs> I don't not, know. I'm not a paleontologist, so I can't really say. Yeah. Um, there are only four existing species of hyenas uh, today, but their ancient family tree was much more diverse. As many as 70 species lived in the northern hemisphere in prehistoric times, but they became extinct when the first humans arrived in the region between one and a half, or one to half a million years ago. Mm. So used to be a lot of hyenas here apparently and they are all gone fascinating i just never would have thought it's not an animal you usually associate are... with uh like colder climates yeah <laughs> I, I just i never would have even thought like oh maybe one day a long time ago these were in other parts of the world I don't know. <laughs> yeah i don't watch lion king and think i wonder what those would do in the cold yeah that would be a weird thing to think anyway. It would. But now that I am thinking about it, it's like, whoa. Now I'm thinking about like giraffes in the cold and like. Cold, cold weather giraffes would be 
would be interesting. Right? Just eat from the very tops of the pine trees. Yeah. I don't know what's up there. It's just weird. (laughs) (laughs) What's up there? (laughs) We don't know. We have no way of knowing without giraffes. Yeah. (laughs) They're the only ones who can tell us. (laughs) Okay, my next story is science news. This is from NPR. And the headline is, Bodie McBoatface, internet-adored sub, makes deep-sea discovery on climate change. Do you remember Bodie McBoatface? I do. Bodie's back in the news. I, I saw a headline with yeah. uh, that referred to it, and uh, but I did not read the story. Just Well, the data is in from Bodie McBoatface's first official mission. So that's what I'm going to talk about. All right. Um In the years since the naming snafu over a research vessel (laughs) grabbed international headlines, Bodie has been off-gathering crucial deep-sea data on the effects of climate change. (laughs) I love the name. The name is just so good. I I know. It's the best. It's the best thing. I know it's it's silly, but it's just, it makes me so happy every time I hear it. It It's just like pure joy. Yeah. Just brings joy. So the findings from Bodhi's first mission are out, and they shed light on how Antarctic winds that are strengthening due to climate change are impacting sea levels. In April of 2017, researchers deployed the submarine to take measurements deep in the southern ocean near Antarctica. Their findings were published this week in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. Uh, In recent decades, winds blowing over the southern ocean have been getting stronger due to holes in the ozone layer above Antarctica and increasing greenhouse gases, the researchers said in a statement. They wanted to see how these stronger winds on the surface were impacting the environment far below the waves and whether that deep ocean activity was contributing to rising sea levels. Mm. So they sent Bodhi into underwater valleys, (laughs) traveling. (laughs) I'm going to laugh every time. That's okay. Every time the name comes up. Go ahead. They sent Bodhi into underwater valleys, traveling to depths of up to 4,000 meters, which is two and a half miles deep. Yikes. Uh, and Bodhi's longest journey took three days, and it traveled more than 110 miles total distance. The stronger Antarctic winds contribute to stronger currents, which in turn leads to more churn or turbulence deep under the sea. Bodhi was able to pinpoint a previously unknown way in which this mixing is causing water to warm up across large areas. Usually, deeper, colder water mixes with shallower, warmer water, um, like it moves up and down. But the measurements taken by the submarine show that the cold water is also mixing with warm water at similar depths, like like it's flowing horizontally, too. So it's like other types of flow. Um, and these temperature changes are important because warm water takes up more space than cold water. So warmer waters deep in the ocean would result in higher sea levels. Oh. So they're like figuring out they're basically finding more evidence to explain why they're seeing higher sea levels, which have been measured, basically. It's not just more water. It's warmer yeah, water, too. It's like warm water is dis- displacing cold water in certain ways that are causing the levels to rise. Oh, yikes. Um, which, yes, that's bad. But it's cool that they were able to like find some actual data to, to show why it's happening. Right. Like another reason why. Thanks, Bodhi. Thank you, Bodhi. Now the researchers are hoping that this new information can be incorporated into the current um, climate models. And, like, I guess they're going to try to use it to more accurately predict changes in sea levels Hmm. since they have this new data. So I thought that was pretty cool. And uh, Bodie McBoatface doing some groundbreaking research here. Oh, scary, though. I, I really... 
It kind of is. I'm trying not to think about the actual research and just focus on Bodhi. I would love to read a research paper, like a very serious scientific article that has, that mentions Bodhi McBoatface like multiple times in it. Yeah. Just make me really happy. An otherwise completely serious article. Yeah. All right. My next story is food news. This is from CNN. Only 14 states allow unpermitted lemonade stands. Wait. Country Time wants the others to do the same. Did you know this? I did not know this. Those are illegal in some places? In most places. <gasps> so there's, a, there's one thing that could stop kids from opening up shop these on these hot summer, uh, hot summer streets this year. Uh, the law. <laughs> Which, <laughs> That was a great introduction to yeah. the story. Um, only 14 states allow unpermitted lemonade stands, according to Country Time. So if you're not in California, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, North Dakota, Nebraska, Texas, Missouri, Louisiana, Illinois, New York, Vermont, Rhode Island, or Connecticut, uh, those adorable kids selling you lemonade without permits are breaking the law. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. What? You might have noticed oh, Ohio is no. not on that list. Yeah, Ohio's not there. Uh, Country Time... Uh, famous for their lemonade, Mm -hmm. uh, wants to change that. Uh, Their legal aid team is known for helping children across the country pay for permit fees and fines on their lemonade stands. Have you heard of this? It's like a team that they have. That's so cute. That will, like, if their parents send in the information and, like, the ticket or whatever, and, uh, like, they'll they'll reimburse them for the the cost of the fees. Oh, wow. Um, But they're trying to now um, give parents and their kids the tools to change the laws in their states through their website so that's not even necessary anymore Uh, some resources that they're providing include a map showing where unpermitted lemonade stands are legal how to contact state representatives to lobby for the laws to be appealed and downloadable legal aid support yard signs if you want to just show your support for the cause yeah um and legal aid says it's still going to help kids who get fined for running illegal lemonade stands this summer so they're planning to continue that service which I think is such a such a great cause for such yeah, a that's such so a cute like come well, on these kids just want to run just, a lemonade stand that's like, such a like I wonder if that's an American cultural thing only like why the is lemonade that a stand thing? or yeah. the yeah like having sure. a lemonade stand or, or some type of like fruit punch stand when you're a little kid and like it definitely feels like it would be a more well I don't know because it's almost this like iconic thing and like that I don't know if that's just a weird I don't know it's just interesting it's like yeah. Like it I was feels just, like it I've, needs to be protected for some reason, but why? I, I just know. didn't realize that I'd committed a misdemeanor, apparently, <laughs> at one point <laughs> in my life. I didn't get I'm caught. Pretty like, I'm pretty sure that I only did that one time. Like We were having a garage sale. Yeah, we, 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 we ran ours during a garage sale, too. Mm-hmm. Are garage sales legal? Yeah. I don't know oh, anymore. Yeah. Wait, are those legal? I, okay, those definitely happen way often. Yeah. I don't know. We should look that up. We should probably look that up before we have a garage sale. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I didn't realize that it was so uncommon for this to be allowed even. Yeah, I've never... Which is very strange. I also, mean, who... What what police officer is, like, ticketing a child for having a lemonade stand? Come on. Like, like <laughs> really? 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 What are you doing? That's just mean. Yeah. Ugh. Like apparently it actually happens though if they if they right, have, they have, have a service a, they like sending like oh my child was fined for having a lemonade stand like what my child was fined for trying to bring a little bit of oh. joy to the world like just seems just unnecessarily well, also mean. like why are there laws against this in the first place too like what 
I don't know if it might not be so much that there are laws against it, that, but that there are laws in that, existence that would apply to like street mm, vendors. Yeah, you're that probably kind of thing. right. Like there's probably more general, broadly applicable laws about that for some reason, food. For some well, reason, probably, cops are applying selling, to this. Because you're selling <laughs> unregulated, food. unregulated food, basically, which yeah. I understand. But like, really? It's just a kid selling lemonade. Nobody's like, going no, to a lemonade stand and not assuming they're drinking it at their own risk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, is someone really going to go sue those people because the kids sold them lemonade is that going to happen honestly it might because if that's true i wouldn't be surprised then they should have a permit i don't know to protect themselves i don't know just i don't even know anymore. they shouldn't have to protect themselves legally they're children like, they're just a kid <laughs> i don't know what i believe anymore <laughs> <laughs> i don't know this just made me this uh, made me kind of mad but also make me really made me really well, thirsty for lemonade yeah now i want lemonade yeah right that sounds good. It's yeah. really hot. Let's today have some too. lemonade after this. Yes. Okay. Sounds good. My next story is technology news. And this is from TechCrunch. Uh, this is another story about weird new plane designs. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, NASA's X 59 experimental quiet supersonic aircraft. That's will a have title. A cockpit like no other, featuring a big 4K screen where you normally have the front window. <laughs> Why? Because I, it's a weirdly designed plane. It literally okay. says that in the article. <laughs> it says, because this is one weird looking plane. I'll show you a picture in a minute. Okay. The X-59, which is being developed by Lockheed Martin on a $247 million budget, Whoa. which is huge, yeah. is meant to go significantly faster than sound without producing a sonic boom. Which, like, how is that possible? I don't know. But I, that's the project. Yeah, I don't... Um, and supposedly, it's not supposed to make a noise, quote, louder than a car door closing, at least to observers on the ground. That's their, like, goal. That's so quiet. I know. For a plane. That's... I know. Wow. Isn't that amazing? If they can achieve that, I mean, that's what they're trying to do. Okay. We'll see. So, naturally, in order to do this, the craft has to be as aerodynamic as possible which precludes the cockpit bump often found in fighter jets. In fact, the design can't even have the pilot up front with the big window. Like, the design doesn't allow for that. That's not aerodynamic enough. Okay. Instead, the pilot will be positioned further back, and the plane will be equipped with several displays, the lower ones just like you might expect on a modern aircraft, but the top one is a 4K monitor. That's part of what's called the External Visibility System, or XVS, and it shows imagery stitched together from two cameras on the craft's exterior, combined with high-definition terrain data loaded up ahead of time. So it's not, it's basically simulating what, what you would, would see out the seeing. front window on a, like a TV screen. <laughs> My brain just immediately goes to what happens when that, dis- that fails and you're going faster right? than the speed of sound and you can't <laughs> see where thought. you're going. <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> that just this seems like a disaster concerned. waiting to happen. And then they're like, well, you know, pilots spend a lot of time in simulators, so they're actually used to, like, navigating off a screen like this. But this That's is not like, my concern. You're <laughs> going faster than the speed If of the simulator and goes then, off, you're not still hurtling through it's space. Going to be, it's going to be, you, you're going to have real windows on the sides, just not in the front. So this is the okay. photo. Okay, this is the photo of, like, what the, a concept photo of what the view would be like. Okay, so there's... So you can, you can still see, see on the side, but you just can't see straight in front of you. <laughs> Which still, again, feels like the most important part when like you're a, a hurtling problem? through the air. 
faster than the speed of sound. Like, what's the frame rate on this thing? Like, <laughs> Hopefully real good. Okay, so there's cameras, but like, does that actually work? Is that fast enough? I don't know. Anyway, that's the idea. I don't know. The, supposedly it's going to work. We'll see. So that's what that mock-up looks like of what the view would be like for the pilot. And this is what the plane looks like. That is a real weird looking plane. <laughs> so like they can't, the whole front is this weird aerodynamic shape. And this is the cockpit all the way back here. Isn't there something in Star Wars that shape kind of like that? I don't know. I don't know. It I feel like with like the, bell, but... the real long bit with the, with the wings in the back. I don't know. No, I I'm also, like I I'm also not up, the but... world's foremost expert on Star Wars. So <laughs> you're not an expert on Star Wars ship design. I'm not an expert on Star Wars anything. Oh. <laughs> Oh yeah, wait, haven't you like not seen not all of them? Even see- yeah. Okay, I forgot. Okay. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of lot of different types of anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't even I've seen all the movies and I don't even really recognize it. So maybe there is, but I don't know. Or maybe I'm just completely wrong. Anyway, yeah, that's their solution to that problem of they can't put a cockpit in the front of the plane, so they're going to like make this video feed of what's in front of the plane and it's traveling faster than the speed of sound. <laughs> Yeah, like, can a camera um, capture footage at that speed? I don't like, know. I guess if you're going that fast, maybe it doesn't matter so much what's in front of you. You better hope you know where you're going, because... Yeah, maybe the assumption... Even assum- with... Maybe mm, even if you could see... That's a good point. It wouldn't matter. Maybe the assumption is that there's, like, an autopilot driving it anyway. Right. I don't know. Uh-huh. But, yeah, so the program that's working on this has committed to a 2021 flight date like they want to have a working prototype by 2021 okay good luck which is very soon i think yeah relatively speaking for a project that big it's like to create a two plane years that, to create a plane that, that can takes go faster off than that the takes off with sound. a and doesn't make a sonic <laughs> boom like that's pretty uh groundbreaking so yeah. we'll see but uh-huh. that's what they say they're gonna do so just gonna say i'm not i'm not gonna volunteer to test it same we will stay on the ground. Yes, where we belong. <laughs> <laughs> we are not pilots. <laughs> so we will not be in the cockpit of this plane. Good. Glad we're on the same page. All right. My next story is entertainment news. This is from Gizmodo. The new Monopoly has a voice-controlled AI banker that will never cheat. Really? No, it won't. I just no, made that up. Um, no. <laughs> How wild would that be? <laughs> you're, like, you're like, that wasn't even my story. That wasn't I even it. I just, actually, uh, no. the latest edition of Monopoly replaces the designated banker with an intelligent voice activated top hat that handles all of the game's financial transactions. It's a top hat. It's a top hat. That's so perfect. It's kind of like an, uh, an Alexa, but with but it's a top hat. Okay. Um uh, as intelligent voice assistants like Siri, Alexa, and Google Assistant have become more common and more capable, there have been a handful of board games that use them as quiz masters, scorekeepers, or even just timers, hmm. which I, I'm sure you've played something that uses a phone. Yeah. I've, I, I, I know at least one that uses it as a timer. Mm-hmm. Um, but since they require players to have access to a smartphone or smart speaker, limiting their accessibility, and since board games are often played by children, uh, they raise privacy issues. So, uh Hasbro okay. decided to include its own smart assistant in the game that doesn't actually need to be connected to your Wi-Fi. So the, smart. The, the, this edition of the game is known as Monopoly Voice Banking, which it's, I guess they could. I feel like they could have done something catchier. Um, 
It's being released July 1st for $30, oh. which is only about $10 more than the basic yeah, version of the game. Yeah, that's actually not bad. For surprisingly cheap for a smart speaker yeah. to be included in it. Um, so uh, Rich Uncle Penny, uh, Pennybags himself is the voice of the virtual assistant, though I don't really know how anyone's supposed to recognize who that is since he's, he's only ever been before. a cartoon, <laughs> as far as I know. Anyway... Uh, players use one of four buttons on the top hat speaker to identify themselves since it can't actually tell voices apart on its own because it's probably not the smartest smart speaker mm. if you're getting it for about $10. Um, and they can make yeah. verbal requests like buy boardwalk or build a hotel. So, okay. And that's how you do all your transactions. And the game doesn't even include physical cash. It's all te- kept track of by this uh Oh, by this top hat. so the, the thing, it keeps track of how much money you have at any mm-hmm. given time? Yep. So that yeah, so the banker is entirely this top hat. That's cool. Yeah, I thought so. Okay. Assuming it's a good speaker. If it's not yeah. if it's not good at understanding, you know. Buy boardwalk buy buy right. boardwalk. But no. <laughs> well, that was my fault. Buy buy boardwalk. <laughs> <laughs> um and if anybody is that playing make the game so much simpler, I feel like, not having to deal with all the paper money pieces. Yeah, if anybody's playing this version of Monopoly while listening to our podcast. Sorry for buying Boardwalk for you. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to go get a version of that just so I can hear what Mr. Moneybag sounds like. Yeah, I'm really curious now. Because I don't know what he sounds like. What's this guy's voice? Yeah. Maybe I'll just look up a YouTube clip instead. That's probably the cheaper way to yeah, do it. Yeah, it's probably cheaper. Okay, it's time for breaking news. <laughs> the part of the show where Anthony and I look up stories that just happened today or were just posted today and we read them to you on the fly. Hyena. Ready, set, go! Okay, I found something on CNN. Um, There is a recall. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Yes. Oh, wait, no. Yes. Oh, wait. (laughs) Frozen spinach recalled for possible listeria contamination. No, I love spinach. Uh, Sprouts Farmer's Market has recalled some frozen spinach because of possible contamination with listeria. The recall affects frozen cut leaf spinach in 16-ounce bags manufactured by National Frozen Fruit National <laughs> Frozen Foods of Oregon. Okay. Uh, Listeria was found in some of the products through random sampling. No one has gotten sick from it. Oh, that's good. So they're being proactive. That's nice. Th- it's nice to know that they're testing these things. Yeah. Yes, that is nice <laughs> to know. Yeah, so it was just a random sampling. They found it, so they, they're issuing the recall, but no one's actually gotten sick. Um, but the two products are Sprouts Frozen Cut Leaf Spinach, and Sprouts Frozen Organic Cut Leaf Spinach. Hmm. And that this product is distributed in stores across Arizona, California, Nevada, Utah, New Mexico, Texas, Kansas, Oklahoma, <laughs> Missouri, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, Maryland, and Virginia. Not Ohio, for whatever reason. Yeah, I, I, there Even though it's some in Pennsylvania. around there, yeah. Yeah, it's like around us, but not... Hmm. Well, that's good, um, I guess. The company said customers should throw away or return the product to stores for a full refund. So that's it. So, yeah. So they just found it through random sampling, safety testing, and no one's actually sick. So that was good. That so. is good. So, yeah. So if you have frozen spinach, um, you might want to just check this article and see if it matches the... They list, like, the UPC and the lot numbers and stuff on, on here. So yeah. make sure you just have spinach and not listeria. Yep. <laughs> <clears throat> Speaking of bacteria, is Listeria a bacteria? I'm assuming it is. It's fun because it rhymes. Uh, 
This is from today.com. Flesh-eating bacteria may be spreading to East Coast beast no. waters. No. Report finds. No. Yup. <laughs> no. A new report has found that flesh-eating bacteria could be spreading to new places due to rising ocean temperatures from climate change. Oh, no. Just like what we talked about. <laughs> no. Um, the report published Tuesday. Uh, wait. Today's Wednesday. I guess this isn't so breaking. Uh, no, in the okay. In the Annals of Internal Medicine by six authors from Cooper University Hospital in New, in New Jersey determined that the bacterium that causes the condition, Vibrio vulnificus, which sounds like a Harry Potter spell, <laughs> uh, has been yeah. found in the area where it had previously been rarely seen. It's like the flesh-eating spell, which is probably not a good one. Um, five cases of the bacteria, which require ocean water above 55 degrees Fahrenheit to live, um, were connected to activity in the Delaware Bay between 2017 and 2018, compared to one case of infection from 2008 to 2016. Oh, wow. So five in two years as opposed to one in six. Eight. Math. Um, one of the patients died while the others suffered serious in injuries, including one who had all four limbs amputated <gasps> after eating a dozen crabs he caught in the Delaware Bay. Um these kind of bacteria are usually found in the warmer waters of the southeast and the Gulf of Mexico and not the east coast. So this is particularly unusual. Um, all of them had either eaten seafood from the Delaware Bay or gone crabbing in the area. Um, and all of this might make you feel a little bit better. The five people who con uh, um, contracted the disease uh, had compromised immune systems already. Oh. Um, so... People with compromised immune systems, according to the Centers for Disease Control, are more likely to contract the disease. Oh, okay. So that's probably good. Uh, it's mostly contracted by eating raw or undercooked shellfish, uh, particularly oysters, or through an open wound exposed to salt water or brackish water. So, okay, so as you have to as eat you, undercooked yeah. shellfish. Or, or have, have an open wound, wound and go into the, the ocean. Water. And also probably a compromised immune system okay. to contract it. So okay, so it's not like... Your chances are still pretty low, but it, it's not good news that it's happening so no. much farther north. Yeah. Um, so much more often. Wow. I have to say, I tried oysters, like raw oysters, once. Uh, just so I could say that I had tried it. Gross. Never again. Gross, gross, and gross, I just gross. always I hear so many things of like risk health risks and stuff from eating that, and I just like I will never eat that. <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry if you're listening to our show and you like sell raw oysters. I'm really sorry, but <laughs> I just feel like it's really I don't know dangerous. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I mean I mean this is prove the me first wrong. I mean tell me how it, to make it safer. I don't know. Right, but. this isn't the first time I've seen. I don't know if we've talked about it on here, but there's I've definitely seen diseases from raw oysters. Like it's 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 raw fish. Yeah, like essentially you're just you're just like really tempting fate there. I think. Right. So, yay. <laughs> <laughs> we will not be bringing raw fish onto the show. But maybe some other type of food soon, because yeah. I still want to do that. Yeah, I want one of those Impossible Whoppers. Oh, yeah. We have to remember. We'll do that soon. Okay. All right. All right. That's our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We post episodes every Friday. And as always, the links to this week's story will be in the episode description. You can subscribe to Knickknack News on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever other app you'd like to use. And while you're there, maybe give us a, a nice rating. Like, I don't know, five stars. Maybe mention the review, how much you like our new transition music. 
because it's really fun and awesome. And Alex did a really great job making it. And I did a really good job sitting there and saying, that sounds good. <laughs> that's, we had a lot of fun yeah, together. It was, it was fun to, it was fun to put together. And, yeah. But Alex is the one with all the talent. And uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash news and on Twitter at, at news. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.